Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Rainbow. First of all, I want to stop and say thank you all who have been listening to my podcast episodes. The dating one from last week, if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it after this. I've gotten so much love and feedback from you guys and it's just really overwhelming and exciting to hear that you guys are connecting with the things that I'm saying and blabbing about. Go subscribe to my podcast if you haven't after this episode. Leave a rating, leave a review. I need all the good stuff so we can get this podcast to world domination because that's always my goal, right? For today's episode, I'm really excited to have a special guest, my first guest on the episodes. We're going to be having so many. I can't wait for you guys to meet them all. This girl is one of the best, unbiasedly speaking. If you follow her on Instagram, if you know her through our mutual friends from the PR world, her name is Brittany Eustis and her Instagram is B-L-E-U-S-T-I-S. I'll put it in the show notes. I like to call Brittany one of the Hollywood it girls. She'll deny that title because she's so humble, but I'm going to give it to her. Want to go to the best party in Hollywood? She's probably running the show. Need to connect to one of your all-time favorite celebrities? She has them on speed dial because they're BFFs. Brittany is one of those girls who has all the connections, but not only that, she is the dopest person you ever want to be around because she's just so fun and nice and caring that no wonder every celebrity wants to be her friend because who wouldn't want to be? Two years ago, Brittany moved to Texas because of some family situations, which she'll get into more, and so her whole life has changed. Her Hollywood It Girl title was no longer with her, and she had to learn how to get people to like her for who she was, not because of who she knew and the past two years have been a struggle and feelings of failure and pity parties for herself but you know what here's the plot twist you follow her on instagram and if you know her socially you would never know that she was dealing with anything other than living hashtag her best life this is the first time britney is sharing her real story and behind the rainbow is my place and space for people to be able to share their authentic selves and to show people that we all deal with shitty situations and real life stuff so if any of you guys are out there and feeling that you've had moments of failure feeling like life Life has thrown you something that you weren't expecting and now you're taken into this new world and you're like what am I supposed to do this is not who I was this is not what I had planned for myself and I just feel like a failure Brittany shows you through her story how to be your own superhero in your own life or as she likes to say her own deaf leopard so stay tuned and listen through the whole episode I think you guys are going to learn a lot and get inspired by Brittany's story here's our little Skype session we did from Texas so enjoy is this working okay fancy Skype I know I know thank you Skype let's just put it out there you asked me if you should wear a shirt and I said no so the the beautiful recording audio I'm okay with freeing my nipples but it seems that the world's not ready yet (laughs) okay let's bring it back for those of you who are tuning in hello this is Elaine Elaine from behind the rainbow and I am here with Brittany Eustace and we are Skyping from Texas it rhymes Texas I'm really excited thank you so much for doing this because I just know this is going to be just a special episode just for you personally but then for everyone that follows you and knows you to hear all the things that you've been up to in the past year and a half how long have you been in Texas almost two years ago so crazy for those of you who don't know Brittany or if you do and you've followed along through her Instagram or you guys know us through mutual friends let me just break it down for you how we met do you remember I know that it started out over email I had to email you a lot oh I think it was for neon carnival you were sending me names to put on the guest list because I was that girl that was in charge of the guest list at the time 
so glad not to be the girl in charge of the guest list. And when yep. I instantly met you, I was like, this girl is the best. And I was obsessed with you because you're so much fun and you're light and a joy to be around. And I'm not just saying that because you're on this call, but I really do mean that. From there, I think we just became homies for life, did a bunch of other events together. And the reason why I wanted to do this podcast episode with you is because Behind the Rainbow is about the truths behind the happiness that we all portray in front of people or on social media. And I've been, you know, still talking to you these past two years since you've been in Texas and you've just shared to me about your life there. And I just feel like it's super special, important for you to share with other people who don't know that other side of you outside of this Hollywood life. Oh, and by the way, if you guys watch those Coachella live streams on YouTube that happened, that was Brittany interviewing all the people. And it was Baychella. It was when she was doing homecoming. So it was extra crazy. Can you just tell everyone a little bit about yourself, how you got into this entertainment PR world, what you did in LA so people can get familiar? Sure. Starting out, my mom always told me there's no way you'll get paid for hanging out because that was really my talent growing up. I was really made fun of as a kid. I had a really hard time, but I knew how to make people laugh and I loved bringing people together. So in LA, I didn't really move out there with a certain dream, but I got a job. I was Anthony Kiedis from the Red Hot Chili Peppers personal assistant. And it immediately threw me into this world of being around high profile people, even though I was just like a little girl from the South. So I started out there while I was still working for Anthony. I got a job on the weekends. I'd showed up to this bar one night to meet some of the first friends I had made. Nobody was on the dance floor. And I just found that preposterous. If you know me, you know, I love to shake my tail feathers. I just started dancing. And at the end of the night, the owner came up to me and he was like, do you want to come here every Friday and just help these people have fun? I'll pay you. And I was like, no way. Take that, mom. <laughs> so <laughs> They started paying me to show up on Friday nights. They gave me a table right by the DJ booth. I would just dance and people would hang out with me. And that led to this whole career in nightlife and events. Brent Bolt House took me on and I started running entertainment relations with him and Jen Rosero. And I just worked my way up from there. Okay, so now fast forward, you're the queen who ran LA. What made you move to Texas? So my parents are older. I was born later in life to them. I have four significantly older siblings that all had families and things when I was still a kid. My parents moved to Texas when they retired. They dedicated their lives to service of others and there was no retirement in that. And my dad has had health problems since I was in high school. So he wasn't doing that well. I was getting more and more unhappy living in LA and couldn't figure out why. So I just decided to take off, put my things in storage and see if I was supposed to be in LA or if it was time to move somewhere else. When I got to Texas, I saw I really hadn't been a part of what was going on with my family for about 11 years. I made the decision to stay and repair that. What was it like adjusting from this LA life that you had to going back to being at home, being with your family and living in Texas? The first word that comes to mind is horrible. The second two words are pity party. I did not do well. I wish that I could tell you in a positive way that like I moved here and just owned it and manifested things immediately for myself. It was crushing. It was going from having a life and being somebody to feeling like absolute nobody. When you get outside of a hub like LA or New York or London or whatever, people don't care who you know. <laughs> 
They're looking at you as a person. They don't ask what you do. All the things that had become my identifiers in LA were just gone. Not to mention there wasn't an entertainment business like there was in LA or anywhere else. So I was job hunting and just nothing was coming up. And that's when I really started getting a slump. Here's the big secret. That's when I was like, well, the only thing that I know that I can do is slang food. I can entertain people at a table. I can make quick money. So I started waitressing. And how was that for you? Going from the girl who was at all the Hollywood events, throwing the best parties, and now you're a waitress. There's nothing wrong, obviously, with being a waitress that we were clarifying. But how was that adjustment? Well, there is absolutely nothing wrong with it. But once again, remember that I was throwing myself a giant pity party. So it was just demoralizing. I felt super ashamed of myself. It just felt like failure. What was strange is I went from, oh, you know, so-and-so, ooh, ah, to people making fun of me. I didn't talk about my life at all. I just didn't know what the reaction would be. When people started hearing little things, I had one person at work go home and Google me and she came in and told everybody. This is like so mean girls, by the way. I know. I felt like I was in high school. I was like, what? And then people started making fun of me for it. I thought I was this hoity-toity big deal. That was going to be either my sink or swim moment because I was like, wow, now they all know that I am a failure. I went from everybody could dream of that like half percent lifestyle to here with them. And at the same time, being at home with my folks, I mean, we've all seen the movies about the people who don't grow up and then they have to move home in their 30s and they're not married and they don't have kids and everybody looks at them with shame and pity. That's exactly what I felt like. One guy made fun of me a lot. Oh, Miss Big Deal. Ooh, Miss Hollywood. I can't (laughs) believe this. I know. But the great thing about it was I needed that guy. I needed that guy to get under my skin and be like, do you really want this identity anymore? Is your self-esteem built around being, ooh, Miss Hollywood? Or are you Brittany Bang Bang Eustace? I started to just focus on the hustle. I started building my self-esteem through the fact that I was doing the right things. I was helping my folks. I was getting closer to my family. I was making new good friends. And how many people would go from my position to putting on an apron and a button-up shirt every day and going to work? I love that because people would really take that to heart and not look at it in the way that you did. Well, around that time, Lizzo Truth Hurts came out and it really helped me out. I was like, oh, that's right. I just took a DNA test. This is why I love you because you and I would respond like that. But I did not want anyone to know. I was still extremely embarrassed about it. I was going to say, for someone who is so public on social media, did you find it hard not sharing those things? I felt kind of fraudulent not showing them on social media because I always complain about you're just watching people's lives that are just seem so much easier than yours. I don't know that I wanted to put it on there because I was just scared that, oops, she's a commoner again. You know, that kind of judgment. Totally. I have an assistant. Her name is Myra. She is the best. Hey, Myra. And she just graduated from USC for acting. She wants to be an actress. While you're trying to become an actress, like you need to have a job, right? And so she works at the Honda next to her place. And she posts Instagram stories about it now, just like laughing about it. But her and her roommate, who are both aspiring actresses, feel that same way. This shame around what you're trying to do and like the thing that you're doing. And this feels so embarrassing and shameful. Yeah, well, Myra, if you're listening, I get that. But there is no shame in having a job, period. That's the point. I got to. If you've got a job and you are hustling to pay your bills, there is zero reason to feel shame in doing what you have to do while you have a dream. And that is really what I had forgotten. I had worked for so many people and you have so many people telling you, 
telling you all the time, oh, you've made it. You know everyone. You're it. When I moved to Texas, I had to sit down and be like, okay, if you want to see the light at the end of your tunnel, you're going to have to make the light at the end of your tunnel. How did you get to that place of motivation, inspiration? Did you look to guidance from other people? I have always, since I was a little kid, this path in my mind. I look at it like superhero movies. When I watch superhero movies, I see civilians and the superhero. And the superhero goes through all of these horrible things that most people can't take, but it makes them more resilient and able to help others. And I was like, that's the kind of person I want to be. So I really believe that the more you go through and how you handle that builds you into a person who can lead with action instead of wishing they could lead. There's two things with that that I would want to add. I believe that God, because I'm a believer in God, God doesn't give you things that you cannot handle no matter how hard it is. The harder it is, God knows that you're that strong to handle it. And a quote that I live by that someone once said is that God doesn't want you to stress, just stretch. I always think of that whenever I have a hard time. I think all the hard times are to make you stronger and better. Yeah. And that's what I really got back here in Texas. I started to become more aware of who I was as a human, what my character was about, what I stood for, what kind of friend I wanted to be, what kind of people I wanted to have around me, the kind of projects that I felt passionate about. I wasn't thinking about that in LA because there were too many distractions. God must know I'm a beast because Mm -hmm. it was just all gone in a day. Thank you for letting me do this podcast and talk about it because I haven't really before. And anybody out there who feels like a failure. If you have a dream and you're working towards it, that is all successful people have ever done. I believe it happens at the time that it's meant to for people. It's not a comparison game. I was constantly still comparing my life to my friends. And I was going to ask about that in this past year that you've been in Texas and this new life that you have. You have traveled. I've seen you back in LA a few times. You've traveled to London. You've done some cool things in between still. And you would post about that. And so anyone who's following you on Instagram would just think that you're living the same life that you always have and there's nothing that's been wrong or a change. How did that affect you? Did that did that affect you mentally or emotionally? How did you feel about that? It was very weird. I call it like the Hannah Montana moments of my life because I would literally go to LA or London or whatever and be surrounded by my successful friends. I, you know, live in the make-believe world of that that was still my life and then fly home and within a day be serving food again. That must have been really hard. I would feel. It started out as being very depressing when I came back, like that feeling of failure and shame just creeps back up on you. And then I just kind of decided that I wasn't going to torture myself in that way anymore. There's this quote that I love that says, nobody wants me down like I wants me up. And I just kept thinking that. I was like, this is not what gets you. Because if that's true, if I'm a failure and I'm supposed to live in shame forever, then just quit. And I couldn't do it. Life is really hard. And I don't think that most people are trying to connect with other people about those hard times. I feel like now, I was talking to someone about this the other night who I love staring at. And I told him, I was like, I would have never chosen to be uncomfortable for myself. I would have never thrown myself into that like hellfire to see what I was made of. And so God, life, the universe, whatever you want to say, did it for me. Because like I said before, and now I need it on a t-shirt, God knows I'm a beast. I really feel like those times are what can bond us as humanity again. And it's really important to know that everybody, no matter who you are, has days where they feel lost or like they failed. And we're supposed to help each other get back up. And part of that is feeling not alone. I have a lot of empathy for those in the spotlight. I was never put in the spotlight like most of the 
people I was around, but I got my head bigged up a lot because I was around them. And that gets addictive in its own way. And you want to do things to keep that going. I don't want to need that. I don't want to find that necessary in my life at all, whether it's on Instagram or from other people or in my work. I just want to love the people that are good to me. I want to inspire the people who have been through struggles like me. And those are the pillars of my life now. And I don't want anything that is just about my ego being okay. It's like a Band-Aid effect or Mm -hmm. like patching a tire that has a leak. You know, people are like, you're so cool. You're so cool. And you're like, okay, I've still got it, but I'm still crying on the way to work. And that's a big thing that moving to Texas, you know, threw me into is, okay, what is your self-esteem about now? Is it about who you are as a person or are you still going to try to fool everybody into thinking you're a Hollywood it girl? My self-esteem started building back about who I was and the kind of people I was attracting just based on that. And now I have amazing, talented, incredible friends and I'm building something that I really couldn't have in LA. It just, there wasn't space for it. And what are you doing in Austin now? What's next for Brittany? Oh, over the past year, started sitting down and just sketching out ideas for experiential activations that I would want to go to. Basically designing parties with a musical component. I started sending out and calling my friends that were doing things to me and like, hey, this is kind of what I'm thinking I want to do. And all of them were in. They were like, yes, that sounds great. Let's support you. So I've found a couple partners on that. I might do some work with Gibson again. Gibson Guitars took me on to do hosting for them. That's the great part is like when you get over the shame, you open yourself up to whatever opportunities they are and they seem fun and exciting. I think every step of your life takes you where you're supposed to go. So for you, like you've built and you've done all these amazing things for past companies, for past people, mm-hmm. your connections and this and that, all of that has been building you for what you're going to do next. Thank you for saying that because that's part of where my hope came back from. Because for me, failure is giving up and that's just losing hope. I know that there is a purpose for my life and I just can't give up on it. I agree. Like all of the connections I made that were genuine are still there. Nobody cared where I lived. And that was a big fear for me is that if I didn't live in LA anymore, those would go away. You've said so many amazing takeaways. I feel like so many people, including myself, are inspired by. But if there's one last message or one last thing you want to tell people who are listening to this, what would that be? Don't be ashamed of yourself for making your life work. Be ashamed of yourself for giving up. Don't give up. It takes hard work. And people respect you more when it takes hard work. I think of it like bands. If a band hits it big off one song, they're not really respected by other musicians who have had to like pay their dues and come up. I want to be Def Leppard, you know? For all of you that don't know, because I know Elaine doesn't know what I'm referencing. <laughs> I don't. I'm glad you knew that. I was like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Def Leppard is an amazing rock and roll band, and their drummer was in a car accident where someone else was driving, and his window was down, and he lost one arm. Then he came back and taught himself how to play all of their songs with one arm. I'm really glad that you explained that reference, because I would not have appreciated it. <laughs> Yeah. Thank you so much, Brittany, for doing this. Truly, I feel like everyone's personal journey is an inspiration for other people. And I'm not just saying this because we're recording this right now. You are an inspiration to me because it is hard to go from such a lifestyle to another dramatic, different one. And it's very easy to be in that pity party for the rest of your life. The fact that you've worked hard to push yourself past that and you're like, I'm the shit. I am a superhero and I know that and I'm going to make that happen. Like it's not the situation you're in. It's truly who you are. I know you said it's easier to be upset than happy, but for me, it's not. I hate that feeling. It's so much easier for me to choose to be happy, but it's so satisfying to rip myself apart for some reason. Like sometimes you just have to make a decision when you start.
start to go down that rabbit hole of no one's ever going to care about me again. I'm just a piece of trash living in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) When you start to go down that road, you need to go take a walk and put on your headphones and dance in the street and let some people watch and remember that you're weird and special. I love that. And I love you. I'm going to put your Instagram in my show notes for you guys to check her out on Insta. Subscribe to this podcast if you guys haven't. Share this episode with everyone that needs some inspiration to remember you are weird and special and that's amazing. And can I just use the outro to just do my little paragraph brag on you real quick? Oh, sure. Yes. Okay. So I was one of the first people Elaine told that she was leaving PMK to strike out on her own. Do you remember that at Earth Cafe? Oh my God. I vaguely remember this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And Elaine, since I met her, she is kind to everyone. And I'm talking about in situations where most people are definitely not. Even to people who are trying to like sneak into parties, she knows they shouldn't be there. She's always kind. She was always very patient when things didn't go right. She is brave. If you guys knew behind the rainbow on Elaine, she really is that person. If she had a taste, it would be cotton candy. She is just the best. You're making me cry here. I love you. Thank you for the sweet words. Okay, that's the end of this episode. I don't know how to do an outro. I always say until next time. Do you want to say it? Okay, until next time. Oh, 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 oh,